0: Welcome to the Blooming League of Original Podcasts.
1: G'day and welcome to an extra bewitching addiction of Thrush and Treasure, the Torture Chamber Musical Comedy Podcast, trademark, where Auntie M loves to knit witty swear words into Dorothy's Christmas sweater. And speaking of knit wit, I'm Aaron, and I'm joined as usual by the only man whose name is an anagram of Monty Goat, as well as That's Me Quartz Time, because that's Matt the Quizmaster.
2: How's it going? Hello. I didn't know that about my name. That's fascinating. Thank you.
1: It's so funny. I had it as Monty Toga for like a day and (laughs) a half i did not see the goat well what a fool what an absolute fool but anyways
2: i am i am a goat right i don't even know what goat stands for but the young people say it so greatest of greatest of all time that's what it is thank you (laughs) (laughs) didn't there
1: used to be a a term for it because like i thought being called a goat was not a good thing like shut up you stupid goat that's not a good thing that's come off it people anyways people are weird anyways
2: uh, just an update on the
1: spider. I broke its leg, so now it's got a
2: bandage on. Oh, no. Anyways, so. Oh, I like that, though. The bandage looks good. Yeah,
1: awesome. Anyways, just let me have a sip of my coffee before I jump into this. Hmm. How are you going? How is the show, by the way? Quickly.
2: How's the show going? Yes. Song contest, the almost Eurovision Experience that I'm directing here at Central Queensland University in Mackay in Queensland. It's hilarious. I was saying to um the head of the course the other day that I think it might be the funniest thing that I've ever directed. <laughs> and I've been in some funny things and directed some funny things, but um, it's got a really wild, Aussie sense of humor. Yeah. Um, Glenn Nicholas and Bev Killick wrote it, and it's it's naughty, very naughty. And I like that.
1: Guess what? What? We have another iconic West End diva in the merry old land of Oz today. And she is here to teach us the 39 steps it takes to trek the yellow brick road to West End success. Because this angelic artiste is a masterclass in radical thinking that's not unsuitable for adults or taboo in any way. And boy, George, has she been turning, turning, turning it out since turning up in Les Mis, which 15 years later led to her appearance in the film version where she played my favorite place to be, in ho number one. <laughs> then from less of the Miserables to Tess of the Dubrovils, it was her razor-sharp vocals in Sweeney Todd that had us up in arms and begging for more. Luckily, our Protestant prayers were answered when today's chosen footsicle led this British beauty to score goals and a beast, who ain't no cowardly, lion straw man. So it is with greatest pride and prejudice that we suck a huge Aussie in. You are the wickedest link. G'day, along with a ring of the bell and a... Oh, wait. Bell out of order. Please knock. Um, okay. G'day, along with a <laughs> and a ho 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 and a couple of ow. Oh, oh, oh! To the only (laughs) opera singer who can get the wolfman's tail wagging because Mamma Mia, tonight's the night, the innocent she-devil declares she loves me and love never dies, which only fools and horses wouldn't know, even in Horse number 1. Because when the cats are away, the little prince will play with bed knobs and broomsticks, so if you're in town, be sure to catch she if you can as she skips off to the far pavilions and leaves you in stitches like young Frankenstein, sorry, Frankenstein, or like the Tin Man with a Stitched-Up Heart by Dr. Shivago. So Shiva, go and be loud. Don't whisper, house. As we wish to welcome who to the Torture Chamber and Good Enough Mums Club, a magical madame, a record-breaking gal in the bubble. Plus, I profess <laughs> a marvel of the stage who recently switched to the dark green side when a case of the red shoe blues blackened her soul. And orange you glad it did occur because we've eased on over the rainbow and conjured up our very own wicked witch of the best kind who ditched the magician's elephant for a broomstick, thumbing for a hit show as she flies into the current West End revival of the Wizard of Oz, so surrender friends of Dorothy to this most beautiful dame. It's the wickedly talented queen, Diane Pilkington. Yay, welcome to the torture yay, chamber. Yay. How are
2: you going? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did
0: not even remember half of that stuff myself. The
2: yeah, look on your face man. was hilarious.
0: <laughs> you know what, I'm absolutely amazed because, I was howling because I don't actually remember half of that stuff until you said it. And I was just like, how do you even know that I did some of those workshops? I'm um, sure they're not on my TV
1: we have ways spotlight spotlight
0: spotlight (laughs) yeah
1: that's it which i I think i had to jump through a couple of hoops each time i go to anyone's spotlight because you can't just google someone's name and spotlight especially since in australia we have a store named spotlight so that's usually half the searches Uh... so i have to go usually to people's agents find their photo click the link which hopefully they've got on their, on their agent's profile a link to the spotlight so agents if you're listening please put your clients spotlights and imdbs and whatever it is you need people like me can find it to do
0: <laughs> and my agent very Doesn't <laughs> have a website so
1: it's fine I, I i managed to find it in the end and <laughs> clearly last week's episode because that, that was manageable i'll say that was a manageable introduction to write the hardest thing was fitting in the wizard of oz puns that I pre-promised to the PR company, like a fool, I shouldn't have said anything.
0: <laughs> I saw it on the email. I was like, I love the promising. I promise I will mention the Wizard of Oz. Let's say it lots of times. Wizard of
1: Oz. Wizard of Oz.
2: <laughs> Wizard of Oz. Wizard
1: of Oz. <laughs> oh, be careful. They might appear behind us. <laughs> actually, I'm wearing my Wizard of Oz. Well, actually, it's my Wicked shirt, but it, it does say Oz on it. It's um, from the original Australian tour. Actually, last week's episode with film composer David Newman, I looked at his resume and I actually complained about it on Twitter. I'm like, I, I can't do this. I'm I'm suffering. (laughs) that that was not a manageable introduction to do this one i had fun with it was epic
0: it was brilliant i loved it i loved it i'm gonna take it down word for word and use it as my biog in programs now
1: <laughs> Anyways, we'll move on. Enough patting myself on the back. So how are you going? We are lucky to have gotten you on your one day off from Hexing Aussies.
0: I know. I mean, we went for our first run-through yesterday, which was supposed yes. to be a stagger through, and actually ended up pretty much being a run-through. I think we're all rather delighted and surprised because it's been a really quick process and there's been a lot of other going on. You know, you've got we've got some pretty high profile people in it, to name a few. Ashley Banjo, Jason Manford, Gary Wilmot. And they've got a lot of other stuff going on too. So we've been trying to put a show together with all of us disappearing at different points. um, But they've done brilliantly and it's in really great shape. And it's really, it's really fresh. I'm really enjoying it. The director's Nikolai Foster is really quite brilliant, and he likes to do things with a really interesting, different backstory. So it's not wicked; it's not changing the story completely, mm-hmm. but um, it's the same story, it's the same music. But he's yeah. somehow managed to make it into some something that I believe kids of the technical generation, of which I clearly am not because I can't work Zoom. Um, I think that certainly my son, mm-hmm. who is ten, if he was here, he'd been able to help. My um, yeah. son would <laughs> will love because there's computer screens everywhere, and and sort of you know all kinds of stuff going on and the Wicked Witch manipulates people through the internet wow. so yeah, oh, yeah it's really fun I'm really enjoying it and I've never played a baddie before so I get to play a baddie, which is really fun
1: no you have
2: have you no. Never,
0: no. I mean, oh. I don't believe the in is particularly bad.
2: I was gonna say the in number one was uh, had a heart of gold, so there you go. She
0: did, she was a tart with a heart. So so no, she wasn't bad. She wasn't trying to kill people. I don't believe, <laughs> oh I did. I played Mrs. Lover at college, but that that was a really long time ago. Uh, but that's the last time I played anyone who killed people. So it's really fun, really enjoying it. So that they didn't add me to the WhatsApp group. I've had to beg to be added to it. I was just like, you're taking this too far guys. I'm not yeah. actually horrible, a bit.
1: Speaking of the witch, have you made sure, has the makeup artist made sure that your shade of green is going to be different to alphas so you don't get sued?
0: <laughs> yeah, you know what? It is different. It's a really different look altogether. And they've got a, a bit of an obsession with it not being a block green, which makes it really hard for the, for the makeup artists because they've somehow got to get a, a nice uniform, non-patchy look but that you can see a little bit of skin through. That's what they want. So it's like a hue, but it's really hard to do. As we found out yesterday when I went green for the first time. And we've also got to do it incredibly quickly because I'm playing Miss Gulch as well. So that's about eight minutes I've got to change from one to the other. Oh, goodness gracious me. <laughs> I'd have to practice the laugh because I've already got that there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know what you need? You need one of those guns from The Simpsons that puts the makeup on the face.
2: Yes. Do you,
1: does anyone remember that episode which would shoot the, yes. the makeup on the
2: face? remember yes, that episode didn't Lisa put it put it on her face Lisa put, hit the, I think Lisa did it anyway
0: oh my goodness didn't they steal that from fifth element
2: possibly yes Ah.
3: <laughs>
0: I have a vague recollection of that happening in, the, in because that is exactly what I would like in life I'd like something that I just put my face into and it put things on and I just can't be bothered
1: <laughs> that's it, like a, a an invisible veil that's got your face <laughs> printed on it and you walk through it and- yes <laughs> too much spare time kids that's it anyways let's move on because we've got some odd stuff coming up obviously now I don't want to get too political but things in the UK at the moment are now I need to know why isn't it illegal to be this done? gorgeous goodness gracious me but anyways <laughs>
0: goodness gracious me
1: buttering you up because it's downhill from here
0: you gonna be horrible to me now okay no 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 good I'm much better than that <laughs> no. Brits don't take compliments well we just don't so if you're just really mean then we, we're, we're talking the right
1: <laughs> we are never mean for the sake of being mean on this show unless you come back for a second episode and then we have a little bit more fun <laughs> let's just say we don't never mean because you know we love our guests we are so gracious. Anyways, we'll move on to the metal. Now, what would Ooh. be in your ultimate rock star rider? Mm. Oh,
0: um, <laughs> something really dull, like my own bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be very surprised how little that happens in theatres. And that's just shown how old I am and how little anything else matters to me. (laughs) That's the truthful answer. What's the fun answer?
1: Yes, the crazy one.
0: My own outdoor space with a vegetable garden in
2: it Ooh, yes what what vegetables
0: um i I think i'd need tomatoes and so you know just it's a salad vegetables i think so Mm -hmm. that i could have it freshly there and i wouldn't need to go to a supermarket between shows brilliant
2: brilliant i
1: love it (laughs) that's like above the quickie mart back to the simpsons in the episode where paul mccartney visited the no that's it oh my
0: god do you love the Simpsons. Do you really love the Simpsons. i
1: do but it's funny because i don't watch it it's just that <laughs> it sticks around in my head from the 90s because it was on at 6 p.m every day repeated the same episodes were repeated for years and years and years
0: fair enough i'm the same with he-man
1: oh, <laughs> oh wow yes. yes masters of the universe call me anyways <laughs> any experience with heavy metal glam metal death metal thrash metal new metal the list
0: um, honestly I mean I I grew up in the I was a teenager shall we say so I guess that's your formative time when you start to discover your you're music sort of the late 80s I was very fond of a little bit of soft rock I loved heart
2: oh yeah
0: and a bit of white snake yeah uh, a bit of Def Leppard. Yes. And then I kind of moved over and I was very, I, I really quite got into the whole Nirvana kind of thing. And then I went to musical theatre college and stopped listening to anything apart from musicals for about 10 years. And then um, and my first husband actually was in a, a rock band called The Vinyl Stitches. And, but they were kind of heavily 60s influenced. Um, So I got back into it then and used to go to a lot of places with very sticky floors and watch gigs. So that's... That's my vague credentials, and apart from that, I know nothing about it.
1: (laughs) I do not miss the sticky floors. (laughs) Yes, now, okay, well, this week I picked randomly a band called Stitched Up Heart because I thought that sort of invoked the Tin Man and the Scarecrow at the same time. In
2: the weakest possible link ever. Um, I think it's great. Well, Vinyl Stitches, Vinyl Stitches to stitched up vinyl. hard.
1: And I didn't know that I, if I had known that I may have picked something with a different name just, you know, to not be personal. <laughs> I'm sorry That was no, a, a,
0: a pure fine.
1: accident It really was It was at random
0: I'm really glad You picked this up mm,
2: Me too Yeah. I'm really glad
0: Because I, I didn't know These guys Yeah. And there's many bands That I don't know Um, There's many gaps In my knowledge But I didn't know them And I'm now A massive fan <laughs> And so is my little boy And it's really Really rare That I can listen To this kind of music yeah. With my 10 year old around Because there's usually A big fat E Next to the uh, title Saying explicit lyrics And I can't actually listen to anything like this so it's really lovely and he he just really gets all this kind of stuff he just loves it
1: so we've been having a great old time oh awesome on that before we get on to Matt's review the other day to my nephew he's 13 now he called me into his room and he goes when I was little you used to play Eminem yes and I said yeah and he put on some of Eminem and he goes you would put on music with this language on it And I said yes But I would always cough Every time there was a swear word Because I'd be sitting right next to you And I'd just go <clears throat> And you would never hear the swear words
0: It is something that I think I'm always aware of And to yeah. be tr- you know to be told He knows all these words anyway It's yeah. just that I the version that I do is You know that's a bad, bad word right? So if we watch films now With swearing in it I let him watch it But I comment on it, <laughs> yeah. that it I don't know It's all language isn't it? I feel yeah. quite strongly about that Although there are some things I don't want him saying In the playground
1: Yeah Yeah same yeah. Uh, Look and it is ugly Children swearing It is It just doesn't sound cool Or anything At the end no. of the day They try to be cool But you're not Cool kids I'm. Um, we're, we're talking little kids Out there You know Under 17 <laughs> I am a curmudgeon, anyways. All right, Matt. So, you listened to this album, which was Never Alone. I did. So, what
2: did you think of this? Well, we're going to review it this week. Well, this is what an LA based metal band should sound like, is what I would have said if I had any idea what that actually means. But (laughs) even being a neophyte to metal and, you know, in the musical theater fan that I am, and in fact, I was a neophyte to the band Stitched Up Heart. But this statement somehow seems completely accurate. With soaring vocals and the guitar and drum lines one would expect from the most celebrated metal bands, this album had me at hello. Yes, I was a big fan as well, Diane. It really jumped up and just went, yes, I'm a sucker for female led pop and folk. And yes, I'm talking about you, Taylor Swift. Um, So this album had a lot going in its favor from the word go. Lead singer Alicia Mixie Demner brings hope and empowerment in a goth metal band that one might expect would be about dark or depressing things, but this therapeutic album is uplifting and inspiring. And again, like you said, it's the kind of music you want to listen to with your kids, really. Kicking off with a banger, and you know I love a banger. Um, this is a word that Aaron and I sort of always joke about. I say it all the time, it's an Aussie slang. Do you know, do you know what a banger is?
0: I've got that written down about the second song.
2: <laughs> yes, good. <laughs> yeah, so starting off with a bang out, Monster brings all the energy one would expect from a goth metal band. And the contrast between the thrashy screams and the amazingly controlled vocals had me headbanging along. And did that sound a bit like a pink ballad in the middle of the track? Yes. It did for me and the chorus is a hook it's an earworm and i'm very impressed so this is from the word go we continue the journey through the next track to event horizon which is an event in itself it's like epic storytelling and the lord of the rings variety or perhaps a trip to outer space either way the lyrics of hope and empowerment that shine through this one once again this is one of those albums you play around all of your most blokey friends only to find them secretly or not so secretly wiping a tear away from their eye, So the title track, Never Alone, is a thrilling change of pace with its electronic opening and the naked vocals. This is a song of the album for me. I could learn this from my musical theater auditions. I really feel I could. It's one of those most likely would fit into a musical. Why not? I mean, Meat Loaf's Bad Out of Hell was a musical, for goodness sake. (laughs) So I'm going to maybe put this one into the rep book. We'll see how we go. Um, A huge fan of the ballads, I'll skip forward to Turn You On, which had the extended vocals of the best ballads in the guitar. Carline moves it into a no doubt toughness it's really great music making and music producing that's what i was so impressed with and this album was just the musicality was excellent the production was so good it's up there with the best ah now we get to City of Angels, the penultimate track. I knew there was something about this that sounded like it was from LA for me. I don't, again, I don't know what that means, but City of Angels, Los Angeles. And uh, the bold choice to finish the album with I Can't Breathe, which starts with a queen like vocal with piano accompaniments, which cemented the album as a new addition to my playlist. If you pass me on the highway in Outback Australia, where I now live, heading out to Blackall, or cruising along the I 10 or US 101 with the windows down in LA and hear music blaring, it just me this this one of my new favorite albums by stitched up heart I'd give it 4.5 out of 5 I don't know why I'm not giving it 5 because I loved it but I'll give it a 4.5 just for some wiggle room
1: oh, wow awesome just to follow up now you say you were headbanging to Matt's chiropractor he will see you during the week <laughs> now, Diane what did you think of this I think I know.
0: I loved it. Do you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna retrieve my phone that I just threw across the room because my sister decided to phone. And I'm <laughs> gonna get out of <laughs> sorry, Vivian. But it isn't the time. Cause I wrote down and the reason I want them because I thought I wasn't going to use them. I'm gabbling now. You see, trying to cover. The reason I wasn't going to use them is because I just thought, well, I'm going to remember this kind of stuff. But as you were just speaking, I've got so much of the same stuff written down, just yeah. not as eloquently. I, my favourite, I've just got absolute banger written next to Catch Me When I Fall. <laughs> yes. yes. Event Horizon. I wasn't sure of first, And then I was like, it was like halfway through. I was like, no, I love this. And it, mm. like say, it takes you on a massive journey. My favourite... And I've got what's it called? It's so easy. It's so easy. I think it's one of my favourites because you know you have those songs when you break up with someone, and you know they they kind of get you through having a little little cry or having a little whatever. And I could have done with this one because it's the entire opposite. It's a therapeutic song, and I think anybody who's broken up with somebody has got to the slightly uh, more angry version of how they're feeling about it or a little bit they're over it and they just want to express it. That's a good one for me. I've just, they're just so fabulous. I love her voice. Oh, her voice is incredible just, she can do anything and she goes all bluesy and then it sounds like Lana Del Rey and then all of a sudden she's like doing proper screaming and I'm not quite sure how the you know.
2: screaming
0: yeah no like in Monster where she just really goes for it yeah. like, oh, oh, oh. that's going to be my song for Wicked Witch that's going to be my dressing room music for Wicked yes, Witch I reckon yes. get me feeling really aggressive
1: yeah we are taking over Broadway and West End with metal rock on yeah. <laughs> um, even no, like I'm, I'm more punk and the musical guy in the show. I like "Monster." It was very stadium chorus. I thought yes, and I have got here.
0: I've got some some bits in it that remind me in the. I want to say orchestrations Because I'm talking I'm coming from a very different Background here Some of them The accompaniment There were little things I'm a big Lana Del Rey fan And there's certain things on I think it's the latest album Actually isn't it Um, Norman Effing Rockwell Uh, That's I can't listen to that With my son around She (laughs) has some Stuff in there That is really Really LA And um, Is kind of that Hazy LA Kind of Venice Beach Kind of thing And uh, And I heard Little snippets Mm -hmm. in. It was in Bleeding Out And it's ever so tiny And ever so delicate And that's what I thought Was quite interesting When you were saying about What an LA band sounds like Because they couldn't be more different Stylistically But I could hear something there That probably Shouldn't be there And and I wouldn't have noticed If I wasn't an obsessive On a Rey fan Brilliant (laughs)
1: Love her Never listen. Sorry, I I can't make that comparison. Though so I heard Lady Gaga on bleeding out.
0: Yeah, there's loads of Lady Gaga. There's actually, you know, there's um. I felt that I, you, I'm gonna, everyone's going to hate me for this, but this is from my sort of twenties angst. Probably if I'm being generous to myself, yeah, definitely twenties. <laughs> Avril Levine again went with that yes. kind of thing, and it's obviously this girl's vocal is a lot dirtier, which I like that. But there were moments where I was like, this reminds me of that kind of vibe, this sort of angsty girl vibe, which I really like. But this
1: is more womanly, yeah, mm. like Kelly Clarkson. That's what I wrote. I, yeah. I can't breathe a bit Kelly in the vocals, a
0: bit Kelly. I'm not, as, I'm not as familiar with Kelly Clarkson as in her music, but obviously I know who she is and I know how she sounds. Yeah. so I agree with
1: you. I think, anyways. Sorry, I'm interrupting.
2: It, it was yours.
0: No, I was, I was I'm starting to waffle. It's good. Cut me off now. Stop.
2: <laughs> I think it's amazing that we heard so many of the same things. You know, yeah, when you were talking about earlier and then I read the review and I was like oh yeah we and I, we're of the same generation I'm, as well and so uh-huh. it's just interesting that we heard those same things And this I heard a teeny bit of Gwen Stefani at one point and there was just all this sort of like harkens back to all the greats really you know as well as having its own unique voice
0: yeah and it's so different from the stuff that I grew up listening to but you know I was I loved heart I loved that big big old sounding voice just like you being almost like it's beautiful but almost like there's a little razor blade in there and and this fulfills all of that need for me yeah. as well as having a really a really easily hooked into kind of chorus I need that, I'm afraid. If it doesn't have that, then I just quickly turn off. You know, I'm a bit cheesy in my taste. I'm not saying this is cheesy, but I do need that. I do need that.
1: (laughs) A lot of it was catchy and sing-alongable. I was actually singing along. I like to catch me when I fall. That's definitely a radio hit right there. But as I prefer to sing, catch me like a cold. What else? Uh, I thought it was very gothic. Uh, Also, something neither of you have mentioned it was hella sexy. Oh my God, was it sexy? Not just the song Turn Me On, which was actually very, very, very sexy and a little bit dirty. Just her vocals, the way they play is sexy and it comes through in their music. That's branding right there. And it's been put to me a couple of times by people, is this accessible for me and for LGBTQ people? Metal music, angry music, the the, the oppressed music. Yes, hell yes, it all is. Even when yes. they're saying things in their lyrics, they're expressing the anger that we feel that we're fighting against. Yeah. Definitely, the gays would absolutely love this album, I think.
2: Yes, absolutely.
1: Now, for a score out of five, Diane, what, what would you give it?
0: Oh, my God. I mean... <sighs> I'm gonna give. I I feel like I'm copying. (laughs) I want to give five out of five, but I feel feel like I have to give four and a half out of five because there was one song that I was a bit bored by. Only one. Okay. I put "Save of Angels, massive shock after bleeding out. Please don't hate me. I like something instantly catchy. I think that's yes. then <laughs> <laughs> I put, I'm thinking this would be one that I'd instant, I'd start loving out of the blue if I listened to it four or five times, all of a sudden it'd become my favorite song on the album because I'm fickle like that. So I'll have to give it 4.5 but I was very very
1: close to a five as well. That's ironic because if you want to instantly catch something, you go to the City of Angels. (laughs) Sorry, people (laughs) from Los Angeles. I love you. Look, you know what? I agree, but being gothic, I gave it four and a half scars (laughs) because this was so emo.
2: Stitched up hard. (laughs) But I just
1: thought it was a little too commercial. Whilst I did comment that, you know, being Stadium Chorus, I could imagine them selling out stadiums around the world, building up this fan base because they've got, Keep the branding there. That that sexy branding there. Definitely. um
0: Yeah, I would be in a heartbeat if they if they came anywhere near here. I'd be like booking straight away. Yeah,
1: me too. I probably won't because I don't like people. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, what I want is boobies to the wall because let's face it, it's female driven. There, we want them to go all out in their artistry. Don't don't give us what you think we want to hear. Give us what's in you you know i think this was their debut it was 2016 so they'd done a few eps before that i i don't know much it debuted in the top 10 in the hard rock charts and the billboards so that's that's a pretty good effort i want to hear more from them
2: yeah very very smartly produced i played it for like a music friend today i was like oh you have to listen to this yeah very smartly produced
1: awesome yeah it was very nicely produced uh just to quickly throw it in there the other band members are james decker merrick goodwin and randy matthews although dorian Delore or delore played on this album but left since then uh but anyways if i only had a heart oh, <laughs> i need an ad break G'day listeners, Aaron here. With summer about to bring a whole lot of tourists to New York, we thought we'd better check out what are the hottest tickets on Broadway for this summer season. So for the next few weeks, Spencer the Broadway Spy is going to be diving into the Broadway box office to let us know what's selling like hotcakes. So here, with info courtesy of the Broadway League, it's Spencer the Broadway Spy.
3: Welcome to this week's Broadway Box Office Breakdown. This is for the week ending in June 18th, 2023 which is the first week after the 2023 Tony Awards so we're going to talk about all the shows that were nominated for Tonys and see what their boost if any that they got was so first we have *Anne Juliet which did not win any Tonys they didn't really get a boost they have been doing well since they opened they've pretty much been at over a million dollars the entire time I'm not worried at all about them. I think that they will have a very long life. Then we have a beautiful noise, Neil Diamond musical, which grossed $840,000, about $90,000 less than the week before at 70% capacity. Go get your tickets now. I'd say it would probably last through the summer. It's a really fun show, especially if you're a Neil Diamond fan. It's worth it just to sing Sweet Caroline twice. Then, of course, we have Camelot, which grossed about $750,000 this week, about $50,000 more than the week before, at 81% capacity, doing pretty well. They also didn't win any Tony's, but I am not worried as Lincoln Center is a nonprofit and a subscription house, so they're probably making a profit. Then, of course, we have Fat Ham, which grossed $4,000 less than it did the week before, at $389,000 at 90% capacity. They already have a closing date. It's a limited run. Go see this show. It's incredibly powerful. Again, think it will be really interesting to see what the life of this show will be post Broadway. And then we have Goodnight Oscar, which grossed $741,000 last week, which is about $100,000 more than the week before. They're at 78 percent capacity. It's a really good bump, especially with Sean Hayes winning the Tony Award for Best Lead Actor in a Play. And then we have a new show this season, House*, which grossed $368,000, about $20,000 less than the week before. They're at 58% capacity. It's a play with an open-ended run. They do have a celebrity. They have Lori, Lori Metcalf in it. I'm seeing it next Friday. I'm very excited. It's a new horror play that is on Broadway. It will be really interesting to see how long it lasts. And then, of course, we have Kimberly Akimbo, which won five Tony Awards, including Best Musical. Omega $695,000, which is about $170,000 more than the week before. They were at 101% capacity. I'm so incredibly happy for this show. I, myself, was at the first performance after they won the Tony Award, and it was electric. I love this show so much. I'm so happy to see it doing well. I hope it has a long life here on Broadway. Then, of course, we have Leia Polstadt, the Tony Award winner for Best Play, grossing $924,000 at 84% capacity. They have not been doing well for a couple months, but they were doing really well in the millions at the beginning of their run, so it is really great to see them go back to that as they start to head towards the end of their run. And then we have Life of Pi, which, of course, today, unfortunately, posted a closing notice with grossing $494,000, which is about $14,000 less than the week before. But it's a really expensive show to run. It was at 75% capacity. It's an incredibly beautiful show. It is the most incredible-looking thing I've ever seen on a stage in my entire life. It is so beautiful. Go see this show before it closes July 23rd. Of course, we have New York, New York. Made just under a million dollars this week. uh, About... $150,000 more than it did the week before at 81% capacity. They're starting to fill the St. James. It's really good. It's a hard theater to fill, but they're doing well, and they announced a tour. It's really exciting. Then, of course, we have Once Upon a One More Time, which I actually just saw tonight. It's a very fun time with an eight-show week of previews with $645,000 and 71% capacity. This show is right at the beginning of their run, and I'm sure reviews will only raise that number then of course we have prima facie which broke the box office record at the golden theater for last week and of course this morning announced that they recouped meaning their investors made all their money back so any money that they make in the last two weeks of their run will be profit then we have shucked which grossed 862 thousand dollars which is about 162 thousand dollars more than the week before i'm so incredibly happy about this i love this show They were at 94% capacity, everyone should go see it, it's so incredibly funny. And of course, they're making a profit. And now we have Some Like It Hot, which grossed $1.1 million last week, about $100,000 more than it did the week before. It's very hard to fill the Schubert and so I'm glad to see that they're starting to be able to fill it with that show. And then of course we have Sweeney Todd, which grossed $1.9 million last week, about $50,000 more than the week before. I loved their Tony performance. I did not really have a desire to see this show until i saw their tony performance and you have to remember they're also only doing seven shows in a week and so to be making that money and doing seven shows a week is incredible make sure we check in next week for our next broadway box office update we'll be seeing if any of these tony boosts continued
1: You're listening to Thrush and Treasure. I'm Aaron. That's Quizmaster Matt, and we're joined for some little stories by recording artiste Diane Pilkington. Are we going to get a follow-up album?
0: Oh, Ooh. you know what? I I keep threatening to. This is going to sound right. This going to sound really awful, and this is it all to do with my own feelings about myself and not about any of my peers? Yeah. I felt doing an album was a bit of a vanity project, and so I, I was like, "Who's going to buy it?" <laughs> I, that was my. I was. Why would they want it? because I don't make my own music my beautiful friend wrote four songs for it which I was very proud of so I felt there was some validity in that but I was just like eh, eh, eh. and then I just done am wicked and there were a lot of fans of wicked and they were like please make an album so I was like okay I'll make one <laughs> so I recorded it <laughs> in a day with my friend in a studio because I was just like well let's just do it for voice and piano and I don't want to spend weeks doing it let's just do it so we really put the effort in it's not that like we didn't rehearse but I wanted it to feel like a live thing I wanted it to feel like me and I found it so stressful. <laughs> I <Yep>. felt silly.
1: <laughs> so there, there's not gonna be a follow-up, is what you're saying.
0: I would need it to either be a complete collaboration between myself and my friend who writes all my writer friends, so that they were all completely new things. Or the other thing that I thought about doing with was I was gonna make an album with all this all the parts that I didn't get.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's actually
0: good. There, loads of boom you know I mean it could be an entire anthology at least five albums in there, surely. (laughs) Yeah, it's something that I'm not saying no, but I just never quite know why. There has to be a reason for me to do it. And it was extreme peer pressure last time.
2: (laughs) That's a good reason.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm really proud of it. And I'm glad that I did it. And when my voice was nice and loose. (laughs) It's it's funny you say
1: a vanity project. You're saying that on a podcast, Diane. There's not a podcast in the world that isn't a vanity project. True. Let's face it.
0: (laughs) That's cool. This is such a great idea. You know, you know that I'm a massive fan of the idea, right? I mean, I've told you this uh, loads of yes. times. I just think it's a great idea. I think podcasts are different for a start. People enjoy podcasts, and it's generally a concept that people go, Yeah, okay, I like that. I just think, I just feel like (laughs) it's just me singing on an album. Like, listen to my voice, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) And yet, I have all of the other musical theatre albums because I love listening to other people sing. And that might be another thing. So it's no disrespect to anybody for doing it. I love their albums. I just never want to make my own. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yep. um, I couldn't find it on Spotify.
0: No, it's on Spotify because we've all already established that I have absolutely no capability when it comes to anything technological. Yep. So if I could have put it on vinyl, I would have. Cool, huh? <laughs> um, but I, I I, just did CDs and I just did them, like I say, in a sort of, all right, I'll do it kind of way and did a really limited edition CD. So. Yeah. Hey, I'll send
1: you one. Awesome, Anna. send you one. Thank you very much. I did have a little giggle uh, when I saw Meadowlark on there because that's like on everyone's album, <laughs> and I'm like, of course. <laughs> I don't know it. If that song was to play, if I was talking to walk into a shop and that song was playing, I would have no clue what it was.
0: But you know what? you would be there for five hours because it's the longest song in the entire world, right. and realised that when I sung it for an actual concert. (laughs) What am I doing? Why am I doing this? It's really long. It's a beautiful song though. It's a beautiful song It tells a story and that's what I like from songs. (laughs) I know that that sounds really simplistic because that's surely what all songs are but there are some songs that that really do tell a little story which is why it's called Little Stories.
1: Yeah, (laughs) Ah. Good call. Ah. The littlest story of them all who run the world, girls who run the world, girls who run the world girls who run the world girls yeah girls let's move on now because we are starting to run over time now on the wizard (laughs) of oz i've got a couple of Ozbervations that I would like oh. to run by you as, a, let's just say, the representative from the cast of The Wizard of Oz. Although there is an open invitation for all the leads to come on, obviously. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink to the PR company. Um, <laughs> in your opinion, is this, and, and you too, Matt, is this in Dorothy's imagination? No, no, no,
0: it's a multiverse, yeah? It's a multiverse, and this is uh, very much, this, this is our telling of it, yeah. In our version, and in my head as a little girl, Oz was a real place. Yeah. And people existed there in the film, certainly, people existed there that existed in the other universe. And we're telling that story too. You've got the farmhands, and Auntie Em and Uncle Henry, the witch is, you know, Gulch. And so, you know, it's just a different universe with the same people. So, you know, we've gone, yeah, we've gone full out The multiverse of the odds of
2: that. The multiverse <laughs> Yeah It would have never occurred to me that was in her imagination Like, it is so real It's such a real place Yeah, yeah. That, This is not in my notes I do find it funny that
1: from the MGM movie Now everyone presumes that every Wizard of Oz Should start off black and white and then
2: turn to colour Just do your own versions, <laughs> kids Seriously, that was for cinema that That's a new concept for me That would be in somebody's imagination
1: And three votes makes No, it is not in her imagination Oz is a real place god damn it Anyways uh, I, I do kind of find it funny That Dorothy's all like I want to go over the rainbow But Mother Nature's like nah brat here's a twister And like rips up her farmhouse <laughs> Like that, that's pretty cruel <laughs> Can you explain this Dorothy and the house Land in Munchkinland Then Dorothy and Toto travel To the Emerald City And from there with all everything happens She goes home How does the house go home with her she didn't take the house across Oz with her.
0: The house in both universes. <laughs> Can I have that? She <laughs> <laughs> did take that with her. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I need more time with that one. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Okay, you should definitely know the answer to this one. If witches die from water, why are cauldrons filled with water? Wouldn't that splash on you and you'd be covered in burns and melted spots?
0: How do you know that cauldrons for witches are
2: filled with water? Because I know.
0: Anything could be. There could be blood in there. Mm. There could be oil in there. Eye of Newt. I have newt, but you know the the base the base liquid doesn't have to be water in a cauldron.
2: It's little little children's, you know, (laughs) we (laughs) little children's we (laughs) because they're so scared. (laughs) I don't know.
1: Yeah, no water. That actually makes sense. Or oil, and we can all have fish and chips. Yes. Yes. Anyways, okay. Now in the book, which I've been rereading slowly, it's somewhere around me. Uncle Henry was tending to the barn animals when the twister hit. Is he dead when Dorothy wakes up? No. Is he? How is he alive? Well, he couldn't possibly, everyone else was safe. But he was, a, he must have died.
0: The barn didn't go up in the cyclone.
1: Surely. It, Mrs. Gulch did. Yeah, Mrs. Gulch went up as well. But and we, the cow.
0: Yeah, I, I reckon Miss Gulch dies in the cyclone because it's got to parallel the witch dying. That's what I've decided. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. So, but I think Uncle Henry somehow survives in the barn. Yeah.
1: He's riding the cow that that flies past the window. Uh, And lastly, Dorothy spent all that time wanting to leave Canvas, as we established. But when she gets there two minutes later, she's like, I want to go home. What's up with that?
2: She's a little girl.
0: She's a child. They always say they want something. And then the minute you give it to them,
1: they want the opposite i know that's the rule oh, my pen as well <laughs> i didn't mean for that to leave my hands <laughs> goodness me yeah no I, I find that so bratty she's scared she does this like, wait like that that song over the rainbow which again that from the film the whole concept of her wanting to go over the rainbow is from the film it's not from the book uh-huh. right but that gets us in straight away we're like oh yes we, we want her to go over the rainbow so we want that for her it's that i want song five minutes later she's there and she's like nah bitch i'm going home shouldn't she be like, oh,
0: no, she's, she's pain in the ass. Dorothy's a pain in the ass. You're talking to the wicked witch here, you know. <laughs> You're talking to the wrong person. I'm just like, I've been trying to tell you all. She steals, yep. she makes stuff up. Yep,
1: <laughs> Where does she go to the toilet? Because, like, what? She only eats apples on that (laughs) trek. That's not good for the gut. Let's face it anyways. Let's move on before I get in trouble with the PR company. Anyways, these are things that have been going through my mind as I've been, as I
2: say, so anyways. Yeah,
0: a wild wee at the side of the Ellibrit road. That's what she does. Because again... She's a horrible child.
2: She, that's how she actually found the lion. Because she was, you know, <laughs> behind a rock trying to <laughs> do her business. And then there was like, oh, there's a lion here.
0: Oh, goodness <laughs> me. I'm so sorry, my PR company. Yes.
1: Anyways, we'll move on to the musical now before we do get in trouble. A lions
2: and tigers and bears all
1: mine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness gracious me. Yeah, as I just said too many thoughts, too many thoughts. Okay, so the musical uh, in episode 94, which has just dropped, we did Bombay Dreams, which was produced by Andrew Lloyd Webber. Last episode, which aired, I can hear my puppy barking. We did West Side Story with David Newman, who worked on the Spielberg film. And then somehow this week, it, it just happens to work out that we're doing The Beautiful Game, which is by Andrew Lloyd Webber and is sort of reminiscent of West Side Story. So we've got this little trilogy of episodes this month that all connect up together. So I'm going to read my review now.
0: Okay. I'm going to take notes and argue. <laughs> oh, yes.
2: All right. It's a throwdown. I love it. Ready?
1: <laughs> to all the, um, let's just say, to all the non-Australians out in the world, I apologize in advance. I'm sorry. I'm not calling it football. I'm going to call it soccer. We have our own football here. <laughs> so I just don't want to confuse myself. That's all it is. I just, I'm a moron. I don't want to confuse myself. When we first decided to play the beautiful game, it was with slight hesitation, as being an Aussie rules boy, I have little experience with soccer, apart from playing and seeing games at school, and going to one match at the Sydney 2000 Olympics, so I kicked off the cast album and was greeted by a tense vibe, soon enhanced by an ominous Celtic woodwind of some sort. The 70s or 80s vibe builds into a joyous Irish jig, where I can imagine Michael Flatley juggling a ball with his feet. Guitars soon overtake the overture as a local Irish community sings of their love for soccer. And here’s where Andrew Lloyd Webber’s bootprint sinks in all over the music. Clean the kit hones in the exposition and we find out that there's some troubles in Northern Ireland with religion doing what it was designed to do and tearing the community apart. I fear several moments hammed up this point with the combination of music and lyrics, which were a little bit more simple than I'm used to from Andrew Lloyd Webber. And the lyrics could have been a little more subtle. Don't Like You was catchy and wouldn't be out of place in Joseph musically, even if it was a little Captain Antoneal. God's own country was angelic and showcases what Lloyd Lloyd Webber does... Did I say that right? Lord Lloyd Webber does best. Showcase his female performers with touching ballads. Otherwise, I'm as confused as I would be if I was watching a game of soccer. So that's a success, I guess. No? Okay. Well, as tensions build and our lovers continue avoiding each other's goals, if you get my drift, a familiar tune begins, sung by Hannah Waddingham. Admittedly, it may be familiar due to listening to the album 10, 11 times by this point. Anyways, I don't want to spoil the score with a play-by-play, but this show also does what Andrew Lloyd Webber does so well that others sometimes struggle to do branding, running motifs, and an original story. And with several catchy songs so far, I was surprised to hear a familiar tune. No, not my deja vu again. Love Never Dies's titular tune. Is this because Andrew's cat deleted his original Love Never Dies score and he had to start over? I'm not judging, just curious, but I'm way off field. As for this show, it was tense, thematic, original, and in parts often exciting, and the performances are stunning. So what went wrong? Even without affection for soccer, it was enjoyable enough without leaving me on the bench. Three and a half stars peppered with lots of irish flavors but very british in lyrics and score maybe that's the problem had it gone all in they may have scored their pot of gold not to be totally racist so, so I kind of felt like it was it should have been a little bit more irish and it was a little bit simple for what we are used to from angeloid webber otherwise there is the makings of an exciting show there i just think you should have leaned into the irish a bit more
0: no, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. I mean, I'm obviously very fond of the show and it was a very early career thing for me and made some fabulous friends on it. It's something I'll go back to. Um, I didn't make that many notes. I only make two. And one of them is more of a, a little anecdote. The simple lyrics, I think, at the beginning. So Ben Elton wrote the, the book and lyrics and people have had an issue with the simplicity of the lyrics, at the, uh, certainly at the beginning of the piece. My argument for that is always, and it's something that I actually, it's not for everybody. For me, I loved it because they are children, they're really quite mid teens. And I remember conversations that I used to have with boys around that time, and they were absolutely ridiculous. The lack of being able to explain yourself romantically, I think, is shown really cleverly there. Unfortunately, when you're listening to it on an album, if you've not seen the what's going on, it is a bit like, wow, that, that's fairly simplistic. But it's it's very much locker room stuff, and you know, there's the wedding song where she's starting to develop very emotionally and is is saying how much she is in love with him and she can't wait to I mean they're they're both virgins at the time you know it's the 1970s um, in Ireland very religious Mm. and they're both from deeply religious families and there was no hint of sex before marriage nothing like that they got married these two and she's singing all this gorgeous language and he goes into full simplistic boy language uh, which is what Ben I think does really well it's either for you or not for you so yeah that whole Kind of hope I can get my leg over Again people have complaints about that As in oh why is he doing this But I don't know You know he's only supposed to be about 19 at that point And he's never had sex before And he doesn't know what to do And so that's what I think The Love Never Dies thing Hey you know what That song was always in Love Never Dies How was it? I think so I'm probably going to get fact checked on this But I was told at the time That this was a song that was written for Phantom 2 Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Which obviously then became Love Never Dies and I think there had been a concert version of it, a sort of a tryout uh, that, that Andrew does at his country estate, whatever it is. I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but that song had definitely been debuted as part of Phantom 2. I feel like maybe, oh, I can't remember. Kirby's Cannon might have had something to do with it, but mm-hmm. then they reworked it. It is slightly different, but not different enough. I mean, it is the same song as our kind of, but very different vocally the way that Hannah did it. And then obviously Beautiful Game only lasted a year for a multitude of reasons, I think. I think it was timing and you know it wasn't unproblematic but i think it was a little gem um and i think they then tried to do the boys in the photograph a version in canada or something like that yeah. it just never quite took off so i think he went that's a cracking tune though isn't it we can put it back in love never Dies. so i think that's mm-hmm. what happened and i was shocked because i did the one of the workshops for love never dies in its new incarnation after beautiful Games. and imagine my surprise when christine suddenly started singing our kind of love but with different lyrics and i think mm-hmm. it's Oh, my God, the character was even called Christine in both things. I've just realised that. That's the first time I've made that connection. Really? Yeah. So Christine dying, Christine whatever her name was.
1: Just on the wedding song, that's a really great example of something I go on all the time about having a running motif or a running vibe or branding in your show. If you were to line up 10 wedding chants and put that one in the middle of it, I could tell you exactly where it comes from because it sounds like the show it comes from whilst being a wedding chant. Andrew's masterwork that he was able to, to brand like that, I think, because so many times people just do a basic wedding chant. It seamlessly fits into your show. You can tell what show you are listening to. But you're at a wedding
0: I agree I agree And I think, you know Andrew really loves Ireland as well So yeah I think I think he went as far with The sort of The Irish feel to it mm-hmm. And there were a lot of performers in it actually And I had to learn to play the spoons at one point I wasn't very good oh. but- <laughs> It's
2: not on your CV right now Play the spoons
0: I tried to show my son the other day And it was hopeless I mean I was hopeless back then It's even worse now And as for doing the accent Well, let's just um, I was never very good at it, shall we? we say. It was it's a tough accent to do. I think, yes, I think that everybody who is involved with it loved it with all their hearts whilst know it whilst knowing its flaws, I think is a really good way of looking at it. And I really want to mention actually something quite sad, because it has it's brought it all back to me while listening to it. Um because we actually lost two of those boys. If you think of the boys in the photograph, there's an image with all the football team. And really sadly, 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 um about seven years ago I think it was, we lost David Lyons and and these are really young, young men. And and this February, I think it was, um we lost no it might have been April, Dale Meeks, um, who played Ginger, the one who dies at the end of that one. So yeah. I really struggled to listen to this album back, and wow. I just wanted to mention them, in case any of my beautiful game lot are going to listen to it, and I just wanted to say, you know, we love those boys, and it's just, it's it's really quite sad that out of... How many people are on a football team? Is it 11? That's how much I know after being
1: in a musical about it. Out of those 11 boys,
0: two of them aren't there anymore. That makes me really sad. Yeah. So.
1: Oh, I I actually didn't didn't come across that in my notes.
0: Well I'd been in touch with them yeah. all because obviously we left Dale quite recently and so yeah. I think it was in the back of my mind to to listen to the show again. Yeah. And no actually it it just it's, it gives us all a lot of warmth and love, I think, because yeah. we were very close. We were all very young. You know, we, we, we ranged from maybe 19, 18, 19 at the youngest to maybe 23, 24. We were, we were babies. We didn't think we were, but we were. <laughs> but yeah, I, I wanted to mention them because I loved them very
1: much. Anyway, carry on. Again, I'm, I'm sorry for your loss to all the cast and, and the families there. Thank you. Um, I, I, I think it has the makings, make the music a little bit more exciting because it is often very exciting. Lean into the Irish a bit more. Yeah. And you say, obviously, with the teenagers, the simple lyrics, but also at the time we'd had three or four years of Dawson's Creek where they were talking like 55-year-olds. <laughs> So we were kind of used to teenagers talking like adults at that point so maybe that like that sort of thing juxtaposed against it made it sound possibly sound a bit more because by them like all even Beverly Hills 90210 Buffy all the teenagers from that we were getting from American TV sounded like the 30 yeah. year olds that they actually were playing the part <laughs> so.
0: Sure. No, that's really interesting, actually, because I never really thought about it. Because for me, I think that the language used in this is very, very indicative of, of sort of 15, 16 year olds especially yeah. in fairly repressed environments, yeah. very religious environment in a time where people just didn't grow up so fast.
2: Yeah. Speaking of language, curious to hear more about um, the choreographic language because, of course, Meryl Tankard, who's Aussie, choreographed it and I had just moved to Australia and met her like She and she was working on this and I was like, oh, I'm fascinated. Like, did you have to uh-huh. do Meryl's choreography or was that all for the boys or, yeah?
0: No, we, we did. I can't believe you know Meryl. Oh my goodness. Yeah. But do you know what? Choreography was especially the football choreography was exceptional, exceptional. And she went from pictures. It was really interesting. She put all these pictures out on the floor, and there would be pictures of footballers like leaping through the air and uh, you know mid-header and, and mid-flying leap and all this kind of thing. And the boys chose sort of six and found a way of making their bodies go from one to the other in rapid succession. So that would be their football language. And then it was then molded into an actual game. And I thought that was genius. I thought it was genius. I thought the choreography was really special and really unusual. And everyone would come and see it and go, my God, how did they come up with that? And it was really from that. And for the girls, we did actually do some choreography um, at the party and she had us write our names with parts of our body. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which actually, for me, I'm not a dancer. So anything that can get me into dancing without me thinking I'm doing it, anything that can trick me into doing it is really good for me. Mm-hmm. So I I to this day, remember the dance that I, I think was myself, Hannah Tolman, and it might have been Kelly O'Leary, I can't remember, at the back, we did. We wrote our names, all three of our names in succession, with like shoulders and hips, and I can still remember it because it was our names. <laughs> there you go. That's awesome. It was awesome. It was actually awesome. We felt we felt pretty silly in rehearsals. Going what? Okay, fine. Like, <laughs> but it turned into something really quite fun and something mm. you'd never forget. And like I say, in the book I think we felt silly only because mm. the boys were uh, by that point doing the most extraordinary looking stuff you've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And that the overture, and I think that's something that Andrew writes beautifully as well, because I was listening to that and one of my favorite openings to anything, one of her favorite overtures is Jesus Christ Superstar. I find it so exciting. And I know that this one's gentler and it starts off with the kind of the penny whistle type thing and It quickly goes into that slightly jagged kind of rhythm that he's really brilliant at. And a lone footballer coming out, kicking a ball, and then slowly all these boys would come into the street and start kicking a ball around. And that's what was the opening, and I've got little goosebumps right now because I loved that. I watched it every night from the side of the stage, and not because it was boys doing football, or it might have been something to do with that, but it was <laughs> <laughs> It was it was just really really different. It was really really different, and I think that's why we're quite proud of it. I'm banging on, aren't I? Someone else speaks. Sorry. No, that's
2: all <laughs> I'm fascinated. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I can't believe you
2: know Meryl. Yeah, because uh, again, like at the time, we were exploring so- some of those same ideas, you know, in these contemporary dance workshops in australia as well so that's fascinating yeah. amazing
1: so anyways matt what did you think of this because i know you are a huge fan of lord lloyd Webber. i said it right
2: i am i am i am and um i'm always surprised when i hear um a new lord Webber score or a lord Webber score that i'm not familiar with because i'm such a big fan but this one didn't sound like him <laughs> it, like at Until we get to the ballads, really. Until we get to the female singers, and and again with that in that that mix with the Ben Elton lyrics, which is a very different sound. I mean, I think Ben has a really specific sound, uh, you know, for what he writes. Yeah. So I mean, so it was. Yeah. So I mean, I guess I I feel bad saying it because I had reviewed the Woman in White, which I just find like just so. interesting from the minute it started to but because it it wasn't Mm -hmm. the familiar Lloyd Webber sound I didn't enjoy this as much as I had hoped to um until we got to the ballads it's interesting Aaron that you were saying that maybe you wanted to lean more into the Irish yeah because I just because I was just trying to find the vocabulary uh you know the the compositional vocabulary and and it took a while for me so yeah so so I did enjoy it but it wasn't you know it wasn't on high repeat.
0: No, I, fair, fair enough. And you know what? I remember when they gave us the party song and we all went, Oh, what? And it kind of went, dee, 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 dee. and we were like, oh, uh. And it was really hard to learn and it wasn't it it sounded it, a bit discordant. And in the end, we quite enjoyed it because it felt right in the piece. But I can see what you mean. It doesn't, it doesn't feel instantly Lloyd Webber, does it? Yeah, I mean maybe but if that's what you're going for, um it's gonna it's gonna turn people off,
1: right? Yeah, there was that expectation. There was everything had to sound like Cats or Phantom or what came before it. But no, I, I disagree on that because I, I hear... What's the word I'm looking for? I hear the genesis of a Wade Webber musical in the score, if, if that makes sense. I think it's the
0: overture. For me, it's, it's really there. But that's probably because I'm thinking of it more in the Jesus Christ Superstar kind of, yeah. that kind of overture. And But you're absolutely right. It really doesn't kick in until you get to those lyrical ballads and then he's flying off of it and, th- and there's there's quite a lot of stuff in the second half as well that is quite Jesus Christ superstar-y with the well, as soon as as soon as they bring the IRA in that's when they start kicking off the guitars you know what I mean <laughs> so yeah
2: <laughs> no it's fair point i'm fascinated i i would love to see and, and then i was really interested by this boy in the boys in the picture and you know and what what that is because i had heard of that of course as well um i guess it's a great um album to pique my curiosity and to just have a few more listens and just find out more about it and again i'm so interested in what the physical production was so interested in what the physical production was
0: no i think we did i think there was a revival here as well that might have been yeah there was because my friend neve was in it a small scale thing it seems to be something that people are anxious to do at the moment with lots of things But I I would say, if you are going back for a re-listen, and don't feel you have to, I was listening to the end and the only thing, and I'm really, really sorry if Lord Lord, 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 Lloyd Webber (laughs) (laughs) got (laughs) me, if if you listen at any point, um, I love your work. But I felt, and also David Shannon, should you listen to this, who played uh, John, the main guy character, um, there there was a problem with the end of it for me because Josie Walker said, sang this heartbreaking song, which she sang the whole first half of acapella and started at the right point, every at the right note every night. I don't know how she did it because there'd been no music for ages and she came in every single time banging key. And then this, it, and it's almost like a scream. There's a cri de coeur, and Then they do a really romantic ballad for him to say goodbye. And I wanted that to be the end of the show. I wanted that to be the penultimate voice yeah. to be Mary's. And for her to, she's basically singing, if this is what we're fighting for, I don't want to win. And I love that song because she's just roaring it. I mean, Josie's just like, yeah. and then all of a sudden they, they sing a really gentle ballad to say goodbye and, and they both sing it beautifully. But for me, I that was the only thing that I was just a bit like, what? She just made a statement. Let her finish on this statement. Yeah.
1: So, And Lord Lloyd Webber, if you're listening, please, please, please come on my show. We will have lots of fun. Yeah. And change those two songs around in the beautiful
0: game. Let him leave and then she can sing the song.
1: That's it. God, could you imagine me doing an introduction for Andrew Lloyd Webber? Wow. (laughs) We are running out of time. I haven't written a segue. I tried to think of a uh, segue and... All I come up with, anyways is enough of the Protestants, Catholics, and atheists, oh my. But it was just so hard to say that I'm, I'm, we won't go there. Um, so I'll give I'll a segue and take us to an ad break. G'day listeners, Aaron here. While you're topping up your coffees, did you know that you can support our show and go on a fantastically scary adventure at the same time? Go to com forward slash bookstore to grab your copy of The Toniston Tales, a darkly funny Aussie trilogy about a young boy who rescues injured animals in his spare time and the roller coaster ride he's taken on by a literal fish out of water. Written by me, the village idiot of Thrash and Treasure, You'll come to love Toniston Turnbull and the dozens of wacky characters that he meets along the way. And here is a sneak peek. Landing with a thud that echoes throughout the whole cottage, Toniston instantly rips off the manky shoes gifted to him by Milford and tosses them into the corner behind a blue barrel. Without a second thought, the bully races down the hallway to the backmost room of the house and leaps behind his uncomfortable makeshift hay bed, then waits and waits, and then waits some more, until finally, what seems like an eternity later, muffled growls start vibrating through the thin walls of Cubpaw's cottage. He tries to control his breathing, but his heart is racing way too fast. Toniston ducks down further. Nothing should be able to see him, but he can't be sure they won't smell him, The gruff growling grows louder. Toniston presses his ear against the cold, chipped, chalky wall. He thinks he can make out phrases like, Where is it? and Give us the merge. Though not much else. It's all too mumbled, and he's shaking too much. But it doesn't matter anymore. The front door of the cottage slams open with a harder, louder cracking thud than it ever had before. A dozen or so stomping footsteps enter. The cottage shakes uncontrollably as if it is as terrified as our friend the bully is. Toniston panics. He's trapped in a corner with a slew of sharks on his trail. He makes a sudden rush decision. Ripping aside the thick animal hide curtain, Toniston leaps through the small oval-shaped window headfirst, landing on a crate filled with hay sitting outside it, mustering every ounce of manliness he has not to react verbally as he lands with a crunch on the sharp, pin-like hay. It pierces his skin in several places, but thankfully, in his panicked state, the bully becomes numb to the pain. Counting his blessings, but not his chickens, Toniston struggles out of the crate by throwing his legs over and levering himself up, causing the coral underneath his feet to snap. He loses balance and tumbles. To describe the pain of tumbling face-first down a steep hill of hard, sharp, deadly-shaped coral would require far too many swear words than this author would be allowed to publish, so let's just say it hurt. A lot. With one last somersault, Toniston's legs fly first over the cliff's edge. Crunch. His left hand grabs hold of the outmost jagged knob of coral. The stocky body of the ten-year-old child sways rapidly back and forth like some sort of death-defying pendulum. He gasps for air, or from shock, not even Toniston can tell. All he knows is above him a deadly coral cliff and deadlier sharks. Below him, larger, sharper coral under a sea of giant, sharp spikes of natural metal. His head throbbing and vision too blurred with bright red splotches to be able to see clearly for too long. His face is dripping with blood. It runs down his shirt front, tickling him in the process. But all he can do is swing there. It's moments like these that a boy really needs his mum. Unfortunately, while Toniston's life hangs in the balance, on earth his life was dishonestly being celebrated by all at Gumbire Primary School after news of the bully's disappearance had spread like wildfire through the tiny town, then onto the music industry before eventually reaching the wider world. Rock music fans, specifically those of Muzzletop, had flocked to the outskirts of Melbourne, leaving wreaths, band posters and hand-drawn tributes to honour the missing son of their favourite singer. Although none of them knew the boy, many had seen him standing on the side of the stage of the band's concerts alongside Tina. Also, at the time of his disappearance, hundreds of the world's entertainment media lined the streets outside the school and, sadly, outside Tina's house. Wanting any word they could get their greasy hands on, the gossip came in thick and fast as snide, bored neighbours took it upon themselves to speculate and make up stories for their five minutes of fame. Inside the house, the phone ringing ten, fifteen times a day from nosy TV stations hounding the poor, terrified mother, there was no escape, and whilst Tina was never polite in her declination, still they persisted. Call me again and I'll punch you in the nose, she promised. The school's principal, Mr Patterson, had himself realised how cold and nasty it would look if Toniston Turnbull's former victims, didn't at least pretend to mourn his disappearance, and thus, with an added paranoia of becoming a suspect, Mr Patterson set out to overcompensate with memorials and dedications to the boy who touched all our lives with his love of animals. Mr Patterson felt satisfied his school's image was intact. The largest memorial from the school came in the form of a service in the gymnasium. With every student, teacher, news reporter and local police in attendance, Mr. Patterson sought to show the world just how much Toniston had meant to the school. The service would have made the bully puke. From the awful school choir butchering his least favourite songs, to the obnoxious releasing of the white doves, Mr. Patterson may have been satisfied his memorial service paid tribute, but Toniston is far too cynical for that and yet whilst hundreds of people sat on the cold plastic seats in the Gumbire primary school auditorium not one person in attendance truly knew toniston when he was around but all alone in her large house the animals all shunned outside tina turnbull sits with her umpteenth glass of wine ignoring the umpteenth phone call from friends fans and family but most sad of all Wondering, for the umpteenth time, what she could have said to her only child to have brought the two of them closer together. A now broken photo of Trent Turnbull and an infant Toniston, only hours after his birth, sits at her feet under the table. Tina simply doesn't care about the million tiny shards of glass cutting up her feet. She just wants her son back. And as if joined at the soul, while dangling from the lavender-coloured dead coral cliff face, somewhere in his head voice... Tina's cries are heard by the boy. His face scrunches up, but then it relaxes. I can do this. Grab your copy of The Toniston Tales from thetonistontales.com forward slash bookstore today. Hooroo! Anyways, we're back with Russian Treasure. I'm Aaron, that's Quiz the matmaster and we're joined by the effervescent Diane Pilkington. Now, firstly, the Wizard of Oz, have you been scaring the local kids with your laugh?
0: Yes, I have. Yes, I have been. And actually, we work really close to a school, and um, mm-hmm. I, I wonder what they, those tiny kids must be thinking when they're outside in the playground. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh wonderful
0: well i did, the other day three of us had to get greened up to do some uh what would be green screening but it had to be blue screen because obviously we were all three of us dressed as the wicked witch at one point and we were just like should we just go outside <laughs> <laughs> let's see how scared the kids will be
1: but we didn't because we would have been fired especially during the time of COVID, you don't want to see green people walking around the streets goodness me we'll cause a riot or something goodness me. A- anyways uh now this is a production from the curve sure, as you mentioned before it sure ain't your mama's wizard of oz now has it made you rethink the classic as an artist because this is a class this is as i say before the movie has been so ingrained in people's heads that you go to a community production you're you're seeing the movie done on stage
0: Yes, it, yeah it has well in a lot of ways because um, Nikolai as you mentioned the Curve um, production was also directed by Nikolai and his concept is incredibly different and a lot of it comes from saying, you know, this was a book and in the book, none of this was an actual thing. So we do have things, obviously, you know, the ruby slippers weren't in the book. I think they were jeweled slippers. or Silver, yeah. Silver, yeah. yeah. Um, so the ruby slippers is an MGM thing, because it looked nice, because they could paint, you know, they could do things now with color. Um, we have got the ruby slippers. There are things that we've kept because I, I do think there are magical moments from people's childhood that you don't want to trash completely. Um, so they're there. And I think it's been, it's been, maybe you do, I don't know. But sometimes, sometimes we're treading carefully, but like the Wicked Witch, uh, Nicolai feels very strongly about presenting somebody with a, you know, a hooked nose and a big chin and this kind of evil, ugly person. And so, you know, ugly people are bad, that type of thing, you know? So he's decided to make her quite glamorous. Oh. Yeah, so she's green, you know, she is green. She's a wicked witch and she's horrible, but she, you know, she she looks after herself. She yeah. puts her makeup on in the morning, she puts her lip on, she wears couture. I, awesome. I quite like that. And his, he said to me when we had a little chat before we even started rehearsals, I'm really conscious that little girls in particular, but you know, little children are watching this and that is what we're telling them to believe, that pretty people are good, and people who are not so pretty are bad. And he feels really conscious of that. And I really like that. And with that, he's changed loads and loads of (laughs) stuff and made, you know, Dorothy is is not annoying little girl. She is a challenging young woman in it, a very challenging. A millennial. She gives as good as she gets, yeah. which is much more interesting for me because I get to face off. And you know, Glinda doesn't warble at, at all. She she's kind of pretty cool actually. And I mean, people have seen the pictures, uh, uh, they're all over the internet. She's pretty much, she's like a cross between Penelope Pitstop, Barbie and Marilyn, I don't know. She's really cool. And she rides a motorbike, which is pink. And it's it's sort of given slight 50s to 60s influences. The Yellow Brick Road has a Pan Am type crew, that type of thing. It's really fun to do that. We've had to forget the rhythms of the film because they don't work for these characters, the way that we're doing them. It's really hard because you know, there's there's some pretty famous lines there. One springs, uh, uh, these things must be done delicately. You can't just say, these things must be done delicately. <laughs> you know, the wicked witch says, delicately. And I'm just like, well, I'm gonna have to keep that in, oh no, otherwise people are gonna get really upset. So, and she, you know, she laughs like a wicked witch, but the rest of it, we've really pulled apart. It's the same dialogue, but we're just doing it in a different way, yeah, which I'm mm. quite enjoying. And to do that, go back to the book, because the book actually, doesn't bear that much resemblance to the film. The Mm -hmm. film, I grew up and I love it. It is my childhood. I I traveled uh, by bubble for a whole summer in my head. I was Glinda in a bubble. No one knew, no one could see it, but I knew it was there. My arms were out like Glinda and I had a big dress on and I was in a bubble. So, you know, that's how much it meant to me as
2: a child. I used to make all of my friends play it, like in grade two in the on the monkey bars. And I was always Dorothy, of course. And I was like, you do this and you do this and you do this.
0: I was always the witch. I love it. It's people's childhood. That's what I mean about not tr- not completely trashing people's dream yeah. and their childhood and what they loved. So I just taking bits and pieces, but really rethinking it because my son doesn't respond well to that kind of material because he is of a different generation. And while he'll watch it for me, he needs something else to hook him in. And I think, I think that's what they have achieved here. Yeah. By making just a little bit more technology, a little bit more strong, strong females that aren't just kind of things that just don't just happen to them. And Dorothy's, um, like I say, quite in your faith when she wants to be. And oh my God, Georgie, now she has got the most beautiful voice. And it's so very, very different. She, she's, she doesn't sing like Judy Garland. She doesn't mm-hmm. need to. She sings like her. It is as close to perfect a voice as I've ever, ever heard. But what's nice is she doesn't sound like a little, little girl. She has that earthiness that we love in Judy Garland, because she never sounded like a little girl. She sounded like this warm, beautiful thing, and that, and mm. that is what
1: I agree. Uh, Judy Garland had that immaturity uh, about her that came through yeah. in her voice, that even when she was playing children or, you know, running around with Mickey Rooney in blackface. So I'll go there. <laughs> uh, just on the Wizard of Oz, there used to be, Um, okay, there is the Melbourne show or the, the Sydney show, Easter show in Sydney. Now, years and years ago, maybe 30 years ago or more, I got the Wizard of Oz show bag and it came with, Now, usually these show bags are just like lollies, a few cheap toys. These were boxed Wizard of Oz figurines I stupidly opened them up and played with them and now I can't find any of them. But imagine how much would they would be worth today because they were the MGM movie. Wow. Fun. I've tried looking for them online to find like what these toys were, what brands they mm. were. I cannot find them at all because there's so many collectibles by now. This was 30 years ago that I got them. Uh, anyway, so I just wanted to throw that in there. So if anyone knows what I'm talking about, please contact me at Thresh and Treasure on Twitter yeah that's that's what i use um and let me know because i i i'm not going to get them again obviously because i'm gonna have to pay thousands for them but i i just want to know how much i lost oh. anyways let's move on have you ever had a fit of giggles on stage I'm guessing yes.
2: She's she's disappeared. She's moved off her Zoom screen. She's like, oh, I'll come back. I'm so sorry.
0: I, I, I've got no connection. Yep. There's no connection. <laughs> yes. 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 I'm a terrible giggler. I try really hard not to. But what I also try to do is work in um, that my characters like to laugh. So, yeah, most of my characters have, um, uh, you know, I have the ability to laugh, and they all fall over a lot.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> they're, they're pretty clumsy, so I kind of work away. That all of these people, there's only been a few that I've that I've had to just go, just don't fall over in this one die. You can't. This woman wouldn't fall over. She's very elegant. But it's rare that I get cast in those parts anyway, because everyone knows I fall over yeah. <laughs> and break things. So that's it. So even the wicked witch, you know, she's got she's got a giggle. The way that I get through it is to allow myself to do it, but as the character, because there's nothing worse than finding something funny on stage or somebody's doing something, and you go, you can't laugh, you can't laugh, you can't laugh. Because of course you're gonna laugh, and, and you're gonna you are gonna laugh, and mm-hmm. well I am. Um and if you suppress it, it gets worse.
1: Yes, it does. <laughs>
0: because, because you didn't let the laugh out, you didn't let it go. Let the laugh out, let it go, let the audience in on the fact that this character has found something funny, move on. It's yes. the only way. I say that in a, in a kind of, yeah, that's the secret to life kind of way, but it's literally the only way that I can get through life without being fired. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's it. Goodness gracious me, anyway. So, so I don't I do I, I don't ask it as much as I should. I should ask it more.
0: I do have one that was an appalling one, and it, I'll make it quick. A very ill-fated musical called Tess exclamation mark of the D'Urbervilles, the musical. There was a scene where I was one of the three milkmaids and we had to be drunk and come on and clink bottles together. And mine shattered against one of the others. And I was left holding a handle. It was like a tankard, a pu- like a, a shattery tankards. And I was holding it and we found it so funny because I didn't let go of it. I just kept hold of the stupid handle and the other girls, one of them lay face down on the floor and didn't sing. I don't know why that was an option. Lay <laughs> face down on the floor and I was just going, awful. awful. And do you know what? That I think that's when I decided to make the choice that you just got to let it out and not try and pretend that it didn't happen. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's yeah. it. Get everyone going. In the audience. Yeah,
0: let me join
1: in. That's it. Now, what is your preferred mode of transport? Broomsticks, bubble, or bed?
0: Bed. Yeah,
1: yes, yes, yes. Comfort. Yes, comfort. Comfort first.
2: I love the bed. Yeah. Yeah. Remember the song from Hair? You can lie in bed. You can Yeah. you know, you can do it in bed. You can I don't know what the words are, but Ah, uh, bed. Uh
1: we bed. just lost Treat Williams <laughs> from the movie Hair, or Grown Up Watching. Yeah. This is the fifth the fifth guest i've invited onto the show i didn't get a response but within months they died Mm. i know it happened with leslie jordan yeah i invited him on and within a month he died a month
0: Did he do the show no before he died no no okay
2: never got a response so if you've done the show you're you're all right
1: Touch wood, touch wood, quick. <laughs> Goodness criticized I shouldn't have brought it up. I should not have brought it up, but it just freaks me out. Like, please, people, respond. At least if you're saying no to me, that's fine. Just at
2: least respond because it's if you don't respond and then you died two months later, I feel awful. Very, very, very suspicious. Very suspicious, I have to say, Aaron. Yeah.
0: That's the cleverest bit of blackmail I've ever
1: heard.
2: <laughs> yeah, come on my show or you're gonna die. That's really kind of
1: cooked this has got so dark oh no good okay let's brighten it up a bit now if you were to name the five spice girls in 2023
0: (laughs) first of all i went down the kind of this the actual spices thing but then i thought they weren't actual spices were they it was based upon
1: well jerry was ginger
0: yeah
1: but ginger
0: but i meant to be the spice ginger, was it no i think it was meant to be a
1: yeah It was meant to be like redhead spice, but I think she missed out on a billion dollar opportunity by not naming herself pumpkin spice. anyway sorry it
0: So I start to think of, of you know things that I see all the time with you know t- trends and things like that and I've just got a few things that get up my nose a little bit as well I've got preachy spice and judgy spice because there's a lot Ooh. of that going on social media yeah. and I've got vegan spice and I'm allowed to say that because I was vegan for two and a half years too because that's very trendy at the moment I've also got literally spice literal spice because mm. everyone says literally this literally that and it, it really gets on my nerves I've probably done it several times myself i've got smashed it spice because everyone smashed it just, smash. they smashed everything don't they smashed it because this is just personal bugbears
1: <laughs> i'm totally with you on that um, now matt I'll, I'll save mine for last because hopefully the last one i've got's the funniest hopefully, <laughs>
2: hopefully. Well, okay, now I'm feeling the pressure. Now I'm feeling the pressure. Like immediately I went to sort of like reimagining the Spice Girls as Josie and the Pussycats. And then that gives me a theme, so I can just come up with five um like mangy spice, scratchy spice, oh, I love Moggy that. spice, uh Monty Spice, Munty Spice, Munty. <laughs> Spray Spice <laughs> and Curry Spice. Oh, wonderful. So there, so yeah, so it's Spice Girls means Josie and the Pussycats. Modern, why? I don't know. Let's go for it. All right. Well, I have got
1: drag spice. So obviously it's gonna be a man. Fake tan spice. MAGA Spice. Oh. Oh MAGA. Ooh. Yeah, that's the least favorite one. <laughs> Woke Spice. There would be gobby. Uh and my favorite one, Incel Spice. She's the virgin. <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it, takes me, it takes me a while i'm slow yeah so they're my spice girls for 2023 so yes both diane and i uh, clearly went down the same route of oh no i don't drag doesn't drive me crazy i love drag but it drives other people crazy so clearly you need drag spice and then people will complain now any chance we're going to get a charity single with you and the current alpha bar perhaps witches are doing it for themselves.
0: That is a great idea. That is a great idea. I've been thinking that I need to contact her and say we should arrange some kind of FaceTime and take a picture because I can't see how we'll ever meet up. But I just think there's too good an opportunity because I love Lexi. But I like that. I'll ask her. Yeah,
1: do it. <laughs> do it. Because do it, do it, do it. Britain is huge on the charity singles. You guys get together and make-up and do sisters are doing it for themselves, but as witches are doing it for themselves. 10% please. Anyways. <laughs> Standing ovations. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's, that's, oh, I'm kidding. Standing ovations. Now, what has been your experience in terms of being in shows and getting in, what has been sort of the most electric you've felt, but also the most nonchalance you've felt from an audience?
0: I think the day after press night of Tess of the D'Urbervilles, we had 26 people in. That was um, nonchalant. That was, uh, yeah, that was. Um, I, I think we're not that big on mid-show standing ovations here. It's not no. really a British thing. But most of the shows I've been in, if you get towards the end of the week, people are standing on their feet at the end. You sort of get a few people who are absolutely adamant and they're going to stand up on a Tuesday evening. Uh, we're a bit more reticent about it. Only Fields and Horses would get pretty bonkers at weekends, but I'm not sure if they were standing or they were starting a fight.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. Now, it's funny you mentioned starting a fight. Have you heard that the Bodyguard UK Tour will now do once a week a shout-along version of the show? Or is that too soon? <laughs> Sorry, kids. I oh, know I'm going to get told off for that one. <laughs> Clearly, what that person did was the wrong thing.
0: And I remember, you know what? One of the most incredible moments of my entire career was the last show I ever did as Glinda. And when I came in in the bubble, I couldn't speak for about three minutes because everyone was there for the final show. Yeah. And I was just like, I'm going to cut them off so I can turn my mic up because it's good to see me. Isn't it? it isn't a particularly loud moment. <laughs> so it's just but yeah Ah, that was kind of
1: cool excellent segue you had an incredible run as galinda any chance you're popping up for a cameo in the moving picture and if you don't have an answer then perhaps yes it is that you can't say
0: i sadly i am i'm not as it currently stands but Ah. free from september
1: you're free okay yep you hear that producers steven schwartz
0: well you know i played an in whore in um les mis and if they're going to go dark for the second movie of wicked maybe they'll have that kind of thing in there i'm really good for a whore
1: yes a munchkin (laughs) (laughs) whore
2: that was just it was right there oh man oh goodness gracious me Uh, anyways Matt. My question, of course, has uh, it has to do with Eurovision. I mean, not only because Hannah was like an incredible host and, you know, she was in The Beautiful Game. So did you watch Eurovision? What was your favourite song? Australia. Or was Hannah your favourite thing about Eurovision? Like like a lot of people.
1: <laughs> Australia, clearly.
0: 100% Hannah was my favourite thing about Eurovision because, you know, it's really weird. I sat at home and watched it with another West Endy girl called Caroline Sheen, who <laughs> is a really close friend of mine. And we have both worked with Hannah, and we both adore her. So we basically became the Hannah Waddingham fan club round at her <laughs> house, watch Eurovision with popcorn, and it was amazing. And I'm I'm just really proud to know her and to have worked with her because I think she is taking the world by storm. End of story. And is she the most natural presenter? Because she's utterly nuts, and that's what's so great about her. She's so talented, but she is that's who she is. She's not. That's not a big act for the camera. That's who Anna is. She's completely great, great, and it's great, and I love her for that. And uh, what was my favorite song? We we all had massive arguments, and I did love
2: Australia. I
0: Did love Australia.
2: Australia. I
0: did love Australia.
2: Australia. It's a banger.
0: I. I. It was a banger. I really enjoyed. I. I have to say, I think the right person won. I do that. I just really like her. Um. I. I like. I like women screaming.
2: Lorraine,
0: yeah, and those nails and yeah. yeah. The nails, they were pretty fierce and it was it was a whole act. It was really good. So I had her, in fact, I chose at least four out of the top five and put them on Twitter before they were announced. So I obviously know what I'm talking about. Yes,
1: clearly. <laughs> I Excellent. do remember at the time you were tweeting about it and I, I kept jumping in going, Australia, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> <laughs> you mean Australia, don't you? It was just fucking I was doing that with everyone, clearly. <laughs>
0: I thought it was special. No, it was making me laugh. I was just like, love these guys, love these guys. And Australia, yes, and Australia. I love these
1: guys. Yes, yes. <laughs> Pat you on the head, Aaron. Yes, Australia, we like them too. Anyways, okay, now this is something I was talking about on Twitter before I did a whole essay on the value of myself as an artist. When in your career did you start to learn your value as an artist and learn to say no to things? Which- Clearly, maybe should have learned to say no before this invite was sent. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know if I'm terribly good at it, but my agent's very good at it. So yep. he's great and knows me very, very well. Um, mm-hmm. We've been working together for well over 25 years. So he gets me. He knows when I'm going to make an ass of myself, hopefully. Um, and he knows, like I said, he, know, he knows when he feels that someone's going to be exploitative. I think... There was this definite shift where I started to say no to covering because I'm very proud to have understudied for a long time for well for, for some time, for a few years. And it gave me the most incredible overview of the shows doing that. And I think it's it, I think it's a really important um passage and but I wanted to move forward. I wanted to I wanted to be playing the part. I wanted my own part. and very selfish. So um I I had to start saying no around then, and that was really, really hard. But, yeah, maybe that. I'm not sure that we ever properly learn one's own value because if I say no to even an audition, I get a huge, huge sort of paranoia that somehow I've been a little bit up myself. Do you see what I mean? And so there's a huge imposter syndrome going on with me anyway, and I think with a lot of artists, and that's why we're not bringing it no.
1: <laughs> Anyways, thank you so much for joining us. It has been an absolute thrill, and it, it, there is an open invitation for you to join us anytime you want to learn more metal.
0: Yeah, I've seen your guest list. I, I felt, truthfully, and this is not me just, like, blowing smoke up, but I'm just, I was like, I'm pretty feel like quite lucky that you've asked to send me on here because i've seen your guest list i feel really privileged to be here
2: well it's a pleasure to have you on i mean honestly like yeah very exciting thank
0: you thank you for having me as i said I, i feel very honored to be asked on here and amongst the illustrious bunch that you've had and it's been really fun thank you
2: thank you we've had fun too yeah.
1: Absolutely mind-blown. The guests, I don't know how. What? What am <laughs> I? What is going on in this world that people keep coming on my show? But anyways, where can people find you on the social medias?
0: It's DiePilke um both instagram and twitter i don't do tiktok because i don't understand it because i'm not 12 and um yeah that's it
1: uh and obviously you can get tickets to the wizard of oz details below it's playing at the london palladium
0: from the 23rd of june to the second or the third of september
1: Whichever's a Sunday. <laughs> awesome. So it's been two hours already. I'm so sorry.
0: I get Gabby and I'm having a lovely time.
1: So I, I, I always just feel bad because like, guests are like, so busy. These are all so busy and, and we know that. And-
0: I'm not busy today. I've got to yeah. go and pick my mum up now.
2: How <laughs> do you? Oh. Oh. So say good day for us. To your yes. mum.
0: Yes. Ah, I will.
2: And Have a great run. Have a great run.
0: You too.
1: Matt, where can people find you? On the social medias.
2: They can find me at at Matt Young Actor. Matt like my name with two Ts, Young like not old, and actor like what I do when I'm not directing, choreographing, or hosting podcasts. <laughs> yes,
1: so check the description for details on tickets to the Wizard of Oz and also to see our fellow host, Mr. J Wags, as Willy Wonka in Charlie in the Chocolate Factory at the Tuakhan Amphitheatre, so that's if you're in the Utah area, obviously a fair distance from the West End, however, if you are in Utah, be sure to check that out, there's also Tarzan and Hunchback, which he is appearing in, however, he is playing Willy Wonka in Charlie, so, you can find us at Thrash and Treasure on Twitter, at Thrash and Treasure Podcast, on Instagram, We're also on Patreon at Blooming Theatricals, on YouTube at Blooming Theatricals, and then on Facebook and all that jazz. Again, a huge thank you to Diane Pilkington for joining us. It was so much fun and so funny. And also a huge thank you to Diane's agent, plus the Wizard of Oz company management team, especially Rebecca. Thank you so much for your help. Anyways, that's it from us. You look after yourselves. Thank you for listening, and we shall see you (laughs) next time.
3: <laughs> Bye, Bye. Okay, Catch you later Enjoy
2: Alright Diane